listening to the Watling and Owens Show on WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Watling and Owens Show here on a Tuesday, the normal recording day. Thanks for hanging out with us wherever you get your podcast. Matt Watling, Luke Owens. Matt, another uh, another weird week in the NFL. A rough week for me in the picks. I guess both of us. We had the Rams as our lock of the week. And they ended up losing outright yesterday, bearing the question, are there any good teams in the NFL? And I think the answer might be no. Luke, you're a clown. How am I a clown? Because you, you clearly didn't read Odd Man Rush. No, I know it's coming up. I because I've got a, pick, I got a full picks recap. And one okay. of my lines in Odd Man Rush is, if it's not Arizona, because they lost to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, who's the team to beat in the NFC? And, and you're basically stealing all my work at the top of the show. Which I guess, sounds- is, I guess credit to me. I dominated the notes this week. Completely dominated. I mean, the best, the best stuff is coming from me. Well, some of us have to work during the day, so we can't just, you know, we don't have all day to, to be doing the notes. So it's, that's, you know. What are you trying to say here? I'm trying to say if I knew what I was supposed to do the night before, I would have done the night before. Why didn't you ask me about it? In between jobs like I do now. You could have asked me know. about it. You could have sacked up and, and told me what the content was going to be and say, hey, I'll do these things. That's true. I did say what the content was going to be this morning. I couldn't just said it last night. So I got, it is months. on me. <laughs> That's right. First of all, it's ridiculous considering we haven't recorded since last week in over a month anyways. So that's a little bit ridiculous. But all right. I won't, I won't talk about our picks. We'll save that for odd man. Thank We've you. got a lot, to get, a lot, a lot, a lot to get into. And we start with the biggest story in New York right now. And it's the New York football Jets. They, they lost to the Bills 45 to 17. There's about eight different stories within the story, but we'll start with the on the field kind of stuff that kind of translates into this week for the Jets. And Matt, I know you're going to be sad to hear it. The Mike White experience might be over. Four interceptions, no touchdowns for Mike White. Had a real rough day. Looked like he's never read a defense before in his life. You know, throwing picks to dropping back linebackers, throwing basically punts to safeties. I mean, it was a rough day for Mike White. And Matt, I, I know, I know you're you're crying and, and burning your Mike White jersey, but that might be it for Mike White and the the Cinderella story in New York. It's about time, to be honest. I know it was fun while it lasted, but how bad would it have been if the Jets won this game and Mike White balled out? Like this was the best case scenario, because this Jets team, what I don't understand, is why people going into it was like, oh, we got to ride Mike White. Like, what if there's some juice in this team? You know, he just won a game against Cincinnati. The team has no talent whatsoever. And, and we'll kind of get to that later with what Rex Ryan had to say about Robert Sala. But there's no talent on this team intentionally. It's a young coaching staff intentionally. The fact that you would go with a 26-year-old quarterback that has no real future in this league to try to win some games and maybe sneak into the playoffs is such a joke. The idea that that was even a concept is so lame to me. The only reason why I would have started Mike White in this game, and we said it last week, Luke, is so he gets embarrassed and we can move on with the thing. So... You know, we both expected it. I don't think it, I didn't expect it to look this ugly. I didn't accept, expect four interceptions, I should say. But wash your hands of it. We're on to Zach Wilson. You better hope that he's healthy because this next week, who do they have this week? I think it's, is it Miami? Miami? That's a yeah. winnable game. You know, it's either, at this point, it's either Joe Flacco or, or Zach Wilson. And you just hope that Zach Wilson's healthy at this point because I don't need to see Mike White anymore. Josh Johnson on the practice squad. And the only reason you see Joe Flacco is if Zach Wilson's not 100% because that Miami D-line really did well last week. They really made Lamar Jackson uncomfortable and really took it to the offensive line of the Ravens. 
Yeah, I thought the Jets' offensive line actually did a pretty good job. I think Mike White was only sacked one time. Wasn't really under a ton of pressure. The first interception he threw, I thought, wasn't completely his fault. Um, he kind of got felt some pressure. It was almost tipped at the line. It was a weird play. But other than that, I think this was mostly a, a Mike White issue. It wasn't really a, an offensive line issue for the Jets. Um, if you watch Mike White, and I said it last week, he is the checkdown king. Like He loves throwing to the running backs, and that's really what uh, kind of sparked the love for him was just that he would read, he wouldn't throw the ball deep. He would just check down, and when he was forced to throw deep, he threw interceptions. And listening to the Bills uh, talk after the game, the secondary said that was our plan. We wanted to make him throw the ball deep. We were we wanted to make the the Jets one dimensional, make them throw the ball, and that's exactly what happened. So it kind of worked to the Bills' advantage. But Matt, let me ask you this: Can you blame fans? Can you blame them for for hoping that Mike White would be good? Because we sit here from a media perspective, we can sit here from. Even if you think about the Jets front office, that was the best case scenario was that Mike White would play poorly and that Zach Wilson could come back. But I mean, these fans have had nothing for years. It seems like it's such a a desolate kind of depressing situation. I I felt bad for Jets fans. Like I couldn't even sit there and be all too excited about the game because it's so tough to think about a fan base that's been through this multiple times and going through a second rebuild. Like we can sit here and say, you know, you got to trust the process. You know, this is the this is the plan all along. But. That's not how all fans think. You know, fans want to win games. And if they think that Mike White was the guy that could win them games, they're going to fly blindly towards him. So I can't really, you know, come at Jets fans for for wanting Mike White to be something. But how did you think Mike, Mike White was that guy? You're never winning a playoff game with Mike White as your quarterback. He's he's probably a worse version of Taylor Heineke. That's what I best compare him to. You know, Heineke had one cool game against Tampa Bay. A couple, you know, in the playoffs, granted. He didn't even win that game, I might add. You know, you know me and my anti hey, beat Taylor him this Heineke, week. Heineke, beat him this geez, week. Taylor Heineke agenda that I have, but look, like I just you're, you're the Jets' future rides on Zach Wilson. That that's case in point. It ends and starts with Zach Wilson, and the idea that you're ready to give up on him. Look, he's been horrible this season. If they did it again, I really wonder if they would have either stuck with Sam or if they would have went with a guy like Mac Jones. Who's look? Has Mac Jones statistically been good? Yeah. Is he a good quarterback? No. He's not doing what Tom Brady did. He, he's the checkdown king, right, Luke? You said it before. He's not doing much. I mean, he's averaging eight yards per completion, which is fine. It's not great. But for the Jets, your quarterback is Zach Wilson. You've got to live by and die with Zach Wilson, just like the just like the Bills live and die with Josh Allen. Was Josh Allen good his first year? Not really. Was he better than Zach Wilson's been? Absolutely. You know, it's been hard to find a guy that's been worse than Zach Wilson in his first season. He's barely shown any flashes so it's hard to root for Zach Wilson but you got to look at this team Luke and this is the one thing I don't understand about anyone talking about the Jets in media as fans look at their roster before you talk about the coaching staff this is a bad team and it wasn't built to be bad it was built to be the youngest team in the NFL where you don't have any cornerbacks where you cut who's the they cut a cornerback um during training camp who Oh, who was it? was it? It wasn't Bryce Hall, but it was someone like that. A veteran. No, Bryce Hall, I think, is still on the team. Who'd they cut? I have no idea. Jets cornerback cut. Oh, it was a veteran guy. Bless Austin. A oh, projected yeah, yeah. starter because they wanted younger guys to get looks. They were going to be bad, so I don't know why everyone's screaming and pouting when they show up and they're 2-7. and seven. Like, they're not a good football team. Well, here's where I did. Well, here's where I disagree with you. I don't think this team starts and ends with Zach Wilson. I think this team could have Mac Jones. They could have any of the rookie quarterbacks. They'd still be 
exactly where they are right now because first of all, their offensive system is is nothing like New England. I mean, New England knew what they were doing when they drafted a rookie quarterback. The Jets don't because the Jets don't have veterans on their coaching staff. They have a first time head coach. They have a first time uh, offensive coordinator. So it's tough to throw a rookie in there and say, you know, it's it's live and die with Zach Wilson when there's no talent. I mean. This defense is horrible. You can have anyone at quarterback right now. They're still losing every single game because you can't expect your offense to score more than 45 points every single game. The Jets were not built to do that. So, yes, Zach Wilson is very important, and yes, his play, uh, it matters. It, I, I hope that he, uh, he plays well the rest of the year, but he can play as well as he wants. The Jets still aren't going to win the amount of games that the fans are going to want. And I think that's where the frustration comes, where it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for the Jets right now. Their defense is so bad that it doesn't matter. But I, when I say it lives and dies with Zach Wilson, I'm not talking about their winning chances this year. They, those chances are long gone. They were gone before the season even, season even started, Luke. But you're, the long-term success of this team falls on Zach Wilson. If this team makes the playoffs and makes a Super Bowl in his rookie deal, it's because he's playing outstanding. It's not because Mike White makes some magic. Is that necessarily true, though? Well, is that necessarily true? Yeah. Mark Sanchez made multiple championship games on his AFC okay, contract. He was outstanding. He had more talent than his backup. Zach Wilson has more talent than any other quarterback on this roster. So why would you go with Mike White when you know what happens down that road? When you go with Mike White, you get nothing. Nothing comes of it. So Zach Wilson, look, he's the most important player on this team. He's the most important player on this team, the most important face in that entire locker room, whether it be coaches, GMs, whatever, he is your your franchise. That's what a quarterback is. When you draft a quarterback that high, he's your franchise. Just like Daniel Jones should be your franchise, just like Josh Allen is your franchise. So to stunt his growth by sitting him and waiting for Mike White to mess up is ridiculous to me. Get him his reps. Now, I like sitting him against the Bills, but this is an easy schedule coming up. You can't tell me that Zach Wilson shouldn't be starting these games. He's going to go through growing pains, but that's the most important thing for this team right now is to get him to be a good quarterback for next season and by sitting him and not starting him and having the fans clamor for Mike White doesn't help him it doesn't help the team so I don't know why people are saying look I get it I'm desperate for wins too this is a bad football team but it's not on Zach Wilson that they're bad the team was built bad to get them better Zach Wilson needs to get better and that's my biggest point with this whole thing Luke is that I don't really care what happens outside of Zach Wilson getting better and he can't get better unless he's in the game yeah, I'm not arguing that Mike White should be playing. I 100% think that Zach Wilson should be playing. I'm just saying he could play as well as he wants. It's not going to matter for this year. And the tough part is when you look at this team, they're, they're so poorly constructed. And I can't sit here and not blame anyone. And we'll get into the Robert Sala thing. But it starts with Joe Douglas. Because, I mean, when you look at this roster, and you said it, you know, they're not built to win games. They're not built to be good. That doesn't mean they can't feel the roster that's at least, you know, has some veterans on, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, that period where you're allowed to sign players, you know, that's not the draft. The Jets could have done something in there and they, they chose not agency? to. I mean, they got, yeah, I'm, I'm referring to free agency, <laughs> Matt. They got Corey they Davis. Got Corey uh? Tyler, who's, who's the yeah. tight end? They got Kevin Knox, not Kevin Knox. No, that, Why, who, you're thinking of Dawson Knox. Wait, who, you're thinking of Tyler. Yes. Croft, yes. <laughs> Tyler Croft. Who was on IR. Yes. Who was also on IR. Um, Keenan well, look, Cole? You look at the way they, you look at the way they drafted this year. Like, Joe Douglas should have just signed some veterans on defense. Because the offense, they went, okay, Zach Wilson, Vera Tucker, who's been solid, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. That was your first four picks. 
They went offense heavy. They said, okay, let's surround a quarterback with talent because we've never done that before. And let's make sure that he gets blockers up front. And you could say, you know, it's not the most talented group of players, but they at least tried. And the, the, on defense, they just threw it all away. And that's why it's so tough because you can, you can hear what Rex Ryan said and you can hear, you know, what other people are saying about Robert Sala. He wasn't given much to work with on this defense. You mentioned the Bless Austin cutting. I mean, Marcus May has been hurt, things like that. So to me, Matt, it's like someone has to be blamed. And to me, it starts with Joe Douglas. But do you think the intent was, hey, let's stink this year, support our quarterback so he's not getting killed? You know, the offensive line has been okay. It's not been terrible. It's not the worst offensive line in the NFL. You know, you put some some work into it. And you say, all right, let's see what we have in our young guys on defense because we're so far away. You know, you had to completely reset this entire team in the last two and a half years. And I know it's quick to do it. And I would have liked to see some more talent on this team. But looking forward, Luke, would you rather overspend on a cornerback that is a middling, you know, okay average, maybe a little bit below average cornerback? Or you wait until this year. You've got two picks in the top ten right now. I think you have three and seven, I think, are the numbers. Or four and seven. You go out there, get an edge pass rusher, and you get a cornerback. And just like that, your defense gets that much better. And there will be growing pains, but maybe next offseason is the time you spend money. Because you weren't really winning this year. Now, look, I don't know if that's the right move or not. But this team has a lot of picks moving forward. If Joe Douglas hits on his picks this offseason and spends some money, and you see you know, Robert Sala grow as a coach, which I think he will. Because I think it's hard to judge him on this season when you're intentionally basically trying to lose at this point. If they get better, this is a playoff team next year. Things change, but isn't that fru- But isn't that frustrating, Matt? That we're sitting here and you're saying the same. Not, I, I'm not saying you're like, isn't just you? Like we're both saying the same things that we said last year, where it's like, well, if they hit on their picks next year and they do this and that, then they'll be right in a good spot. But they haven't done that for the last six years, yeah. so it's hard to say. Yeah, if they hit on these picks, yeah. But how often have the Jets hit on picks recently? They really haven't. I mean, Joe Douglas is drafted okay. You like what he's done. I guess. You like Mekhi some of the Becton's pieces that he's playing. gotten. I don't know. You like Mekhi Becton. You I like know. Elijah Vera Tucker. You know, you have to like Zach Wilson. Yes, he hasn't shown it, but he is a talent. You love Michael Carter at the running back position. You know, I like Denzel Mims. I don't know where he goes after this year. Maybe Crowder walks and you slot him up there. You like Elijah Moore. He's really started to break out a little bit the last couple weeks. And then you look at the defense and look, it's, it's a long way to go. But you like Quinnen Williams. The Shaq Lawson signing was, was nice or the Carl Lawson signing, I should say. You like C.J. Mosley, who's still there. I mean, there's a lot to go with. Obviously, you know, Mosley not a draft pick. Lawson not a draft pick. But you're getting there, right? Like, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think it's unfair to judge Joe Douglas this uh, this year when it's basically a restart. You're basically restarting your franchise this offseason when you bring in a new quarterback. That's why you restart that quarterback clock. I give him, Zach, and Salah, this year, and then two more, and that's it. You know, coaches get three years, quarterbacks get three, three years, maybe four, I guess, if you're lucky. And GMs, you're not getting a second coach if you're Joe Douglas. This is your one guy. And, and at what point, Luke, is, the alternative is, okay, let's fire every, everybody, but we've been through this before. Like, give them a chance to see what happens. You've got the youngest coaching staff in the NFL. That's something that this team chose to do, and now you've got to live with it. You've got to live by the the rookie bumps and bruisers and the learning and you hope and you pray that this team learns because otherwise you know you gotta give them a chance i just think it's so disappointing to like 
to to hear that as a Jets fan because it's like okay, so who do they blame? Like they they're just running around with with. Well, no you blame Joe Douglas because if Joe Douglas He's can't be fault. blamed, is, if Robert Sala can't plan. be blamed, the plan is is the plan till what till when? Like how long does he have for this plan to work? He Two gets more another. Years. You're t- you're saying. You're saying Joe Douglas gets another Next, three years no. on top of what he already had. What has he done in the, la- the last two years? Nothing. He had Adam Gase that he had to fire. He had to move on from a quarterback that wasn't his. He tried his best. The team stunk. He tried to get better. The team couldn't do it. And now moving forward, this is his chance. This is his one quarterback that he gets. He came in in the middle of a, of a messy situation. He got a long contract to rebuild this team. And you're going to overreact and fire him after a couple of years, after not even a full season of Zach Wilson? I mean, it's tough when you haven't seen a single result. Like, there's no light at the end of the tunnel at this point. But what's just, your next option? You're in complete Bring darkness. In the next bozo that can't run a team. You need some consistency. You need something. They, they've become. Look at the Giants. Become the Browns. Look at the Giants. They've become the Browns and the Lions. They've become the Browns and the Lions, where they just, everyone they Did bring the Browns in can't figure it out. A minute after he looked terrible. Did the, did, yes. did, did the Bengals fire whoever their coach is right now after a year? No, they waited. He looked terrible before they brought in. Until they brought in um, Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow showed some things, and he and he started to perform well. And now that coaching hire looks like a hit. Well, Zach Wilson hasn't balled out yet, but he's got another seven weeks to do something and a very favorable schedule coming up. So if Zach Wilson can show something after sitting on the bench and recognizing what he needs to do moving forward, and he performs decently well, not even getting wins, he just throws the ball without throwing interceptions. The entire landscape, the entire thought of this team changes. To Okay, our defense has no talent. They're young. Let's address it in the offseason. Our offense is okay. We need one or two more pieces. And then bing, bang, boom. We're the Cincinnati Bengals that are in a playoff hunt. Next year, if this team is 6-11, and 11, then okay, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe that's when you consider getting rid of these guys. But right now, after one year, with a, coaching, with a coach that's never been a head coach before, with coordinators that have never been coordinators before in this league, you're going to fire them after one shot? They're rookies. They're basically on entry-level deals. They're basically, they're basically like you and I, Luke, at, at our jobs. I make one mistake. They're not firing me. If I deserve it, even if they say, oh, we could find someone better. No, you, you roll with the punches. You roll with the little mistakes that happen because you see potential in these pieces. And you hope that eventually they figure it out. And this year, the end of this year, maybe you see something you like. Or at the start of next year, maybe you see it. But if you don't see it in these next two years, then I could understand there being a hot seat, but he's been a, he's been a head coach for five minutes. What do you expect with a talent with a roster that has no talent? They set him up to fail this right. year. They they were set when, up to lose this year. They were not set up to Robert be good. Sala? Not a single time. Not a single time did I mention Robert Sala. I said Joe Douglas in general, because you're a very you and I are both both pretty understanding. I think me maybe more patient than you because this team's been bad for so long. What's one more year? I, this is not what I expected out of this team. I expected well, I, a much better team. I expected a much, much nah. better team, a better offense. But you got to give them a chance to grow. You bet you have to. This team was never I, making the playoffs. I, see, I know you, and I know you like being pessimistic. I, I don't, I don't know why the optimism is always there for the Jets because we talked in September and we said this team could win seven or eight games when we played the win-loss win That loss was a game. joke. Come always, on. always famous. You know they were never. How is it a that. joke? They were never winning that many games. Come on. Can they beat Miami, Houston, Philadelphia? Can they win some of those games? Well, like, let's see. Show me something. Let's see who they played this season that, that are winnable games, realistically. Yes, they've been blown out. But this was never a season they were going to be above 500. 
they could still end the season six and ten or six and eleven. They could still go in, beat Miami one of those two games, beat Houston. You know, maybe you lose to Philadelphia, so we've got two wins there in the next three. Can you beat Jacksonville? Go out there and beat Jacksonville. There's three wins in the next seven games. And that's not very good either. But is Jacksonville doing anything? Sure, they beat Buffalo, but the Jets beat Tennessee at the start of the season. They beat the Bengals in week eight. They they ruined the Bengals. Like, what are we trying to go for here? It's a rookie quarterback. Save, save from the New England Patriots. What rookie quarterback is doing anything? I mean, the Bears? Bears are right in the playoff, hunt. They're three and they're game better than the Jets. They're three and six. In the playoff hunt, though, they're on the graphic. God, they're on the graphic. What do you want we me to say? A, we, what do you want me to say? Like we need to come. Come on, fire them right now. We need to come. Come on, yeah, fire. We need to come together, man. Make Mike White the quarterback. Let him do something, and then we'll wait until another I another never, quarterback never, from a random school we can draft high with a second overall I, pick. When did I say fire everybody? I never said that. I said it's. How can you not be disappointed and you're listing off all these reasons to be optimistic? I'm just not seeing it. It sucks. They're 2-7. Having... I'm going to sit here and mope about it? No. They've been terrible for years. What's one more year? What's one more year? To, to you, yeah. I, I think for the I'm fan. I'm a Jets I'm fan just fan. like everybody else. No, you're not. I wore a Jets shirt yesterday. Yeah, you're a Jets fan, but you're not, fan. You're, not, you're not living and dying. You're not living and dying at everything. It's so bad they've beaten the life out of me. All right? Yeah, and I, I totally get that. I totally get that. I've been there with teams before. I'm just saying it. it, it it's hard to, for me to think about this and, and be excited as a Jets fan. That's all I'm saying. It, it's hard to be excited. Okay, let, let's, and yes, let's look at Sean yes, McDermott for a second here, and then we'll move on to the Bills because I know we're going way over. Sean McDermott with the Bills in his first oh, – where is this is – in his first season with the Bills was 9-7. and seven. Cool. This is, a, in this, this is a bad argument. In, this, in 2018, they were 6-10. and 10. Right. Did you did Josh you did you try year. to fire him? Did you try to no, move on from the Josh Bills Allen had... when they were six and ten in his rookie year? No. No, because the Bills had a good team around him, and you can see the foundation being built. They've had a good defense since 2017. The Jets haven't had that or a good offense. So the Bills, it was okay. All we need is the offense. They got Stephon Diggs, and Josh Allen came around, and it was ready to go. But the Jets have to rebuild every and they've got of their more game. picks than anyone in the league, basically. You've got, like, two first-round picks. You're probably going to trade down from three, if that's where you end up, for someone to take reach and take a quarterback. You'll have three first-round picks, basically, in this first round. You'll, you could have another one next year. You have a couple twos in this in this draft. You've got tons of money still. You didn't spend a lot of money in, in the offseason because no one wanted to go to you. Like, I get it. There's, there's a lot of holes in this team. But maybe they plug those with that quantity over quality that we keep talking about with the Bills. Yeah, maybe they will. Well, we'll have to find out, Matt. But we do have to talk about one more thing quickly, quickly, before we move on from the Jets. Uh, and that was Rex Ryan, who was on uh, DPH or DPH or wow, and Rothenberg uh, on ESPN New York earlier in the week talking about Robert Sala. And here is what Rex Ryan had to say. This guy's supposed to be a defensive guru. I heard everything, and, and I take it personal on this one. Everything I heard about was, well, this guy's a lot like a lot like myself, but without the the bad part. Yeah, well, some of the bad part you need because this team doesn't play with any any damn heart. It, it, I mean, that that's the thing that's disappointing to me. And don't ever compare this guy to me, this Robert Sala to me. And Matt, here here's the issue with this comment from Rex Ryan because. 
he kind of starts off in in a way that's kind of interesting, where he's like, okay, you know, he's supposed to be a defensive guru, blah, blah, blah. You know, I I get that. You know, it's like it is frustrating. You know, you think Solid maybe could figure it out, but they don't have a lot of pieces there. That's one thing. But I just cannot stand how Rex Ryan makes everything about him, like everything about the Jets. He immediately is like, oh, I took this personally because everyone was comparing. No one, no one compared. I mean, there's like one SI article that compared them. I'm sure people have said it, but. Todd Bowles was a defensive guru. Like they've had defensive coaches after Rex Ryan that weren't Robert Sala. It just, it makes me mad that Rex Ryan feels the need to insert himself into every single story. I don't know what his end game is because this certainly isn't going to make, you know, NFL coaches around the league, around the league, very happy. It's not going to make GMs very happy the way Rex Ryan's talking about other coaches. So I don't know what his end game is here. His end game is he wants to be the head coach of the Jets and you're bringing in uh, Woody Johnson back from, from England, right? He, He was the last decent head coach the Jets had, right? He had a couple of years in him with Mark Sanchez, which, look, that def- that defense was built perfectly for you. And, and that's where I keep going back to. Rex, in this, st- in this mindset, is a clown. He is. Stop making it about you. This guy has been, this defense has been historically bad. Yes. But it goes back to my earlier point, Luke, that there's no one on this roster. And yes, Salah should be coaching them better. And yes, he should be giving help to whoever's covering Stefan Diggs, the team was going to lose anyway kind of thing. So why are we making it about Rex Ryan all of a sudden when it should be about the team and saying, what did you see you know, from the tactics that makes Rob Sala a bad coach? I want to know. I don't know what, what the tactics are of Rob Sala. The only thing I have to go based off, based off of is, oh, let's just be patient. And, and also, Rex, earlier in the, or later in the interview, brought up how the Niners were dead last in four of those five years they was the, the coordinator. Let's not act like they weren't going through injuries and they weren't, you know, they didn't have a lot of talent on the team. Yeah, I mean, they had, you know, Bosa the one year he tore his ACL, Everyone got things like a that. Years ago. Their offense, their offense after Kaepernick uh, wasn't on the team anymore was terrible. Like, that, that's why they weren't winning games. Uh, you know, they had, like, Nick Mullins starting half the games last year. But um, beyond that, I think what, what kind of uh, – kind of got me thinking was like Rex Ryan was a guy that inherited some decent Jets teams like yeah you could say he made Mark Sanchez Mark Sanchez was not a great quarterback he but was a he game did manager scheme, with a great he schemed Sanchez very well he he, he right, led him he to did. success he did no he definitely did but it's not like Sanchez left it you know was was a, ever a great quarterback you know he went to Philadelphia was didn't do anything there like it's not like he was this like all around because because Rex made it he framed it in a way where he's like well, I know how to 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 manage a rookie quarterback. I think Zach Wilson has more talent than Mark. But Sanchez. But isn't it more impressive so that just... Rex Ryan got to an AFC Championship game with with Mark Sanchez, given how mad yes. he was? Now, granted, right. the quarterback didn't play as big a, a great role defense. in those AFC Championship games. Yeah, but he did get there with a quarterback yeah. that, in Mark Sanchez. Right, but he had a great defense. He had a great run game. I mean, he basically inherited inherited that defense too. By the way, so it's, Robert Sala was handed a bad card. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to start with. And Salah came back on the Michael K show, uh, also on ESPN New York, saying, I've never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. I don't even know him except for people who know him throughout the league. Obviously, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. So how weird is that, too, that like Salah hasn't even met the guy and he, he's kind of coming at his Did neck Did you like think that. he came at his neck when he said he knows where to find me? Like I thought that was a shot like, oh, like I'm the Jets head coach. You're not. You're sitting here waking up at 7.30 in the morning to talk to DiPietro and Rothenberg, you know, while I'm here in the in the big boy chair, you know, coaching my team on the sidelines. That's what I kind of took. You think me. that's what he meant? Oh, I, I don't I, know. I thought he but just I can't imagine one. he's, like, asking for a fight with Rex Ryan. I thought it was, like, no, no, you know no, no. I, I don't am. think he's asking for a 
I don't think he's asking for fun. I think he's more saying like, if you want to talk about these things, then give me a call. Like, don't go out and say it to the media. Yeah. Like, come talk to me directly. Well, Rex is but also I think media, Rex... so like he's gonna say what he wants to say. But it just there's no need to get that personal. But it just feels like every time Rex talks, it's like he makes a point, and then he's like, "Here's me, like Rex Ryan. This is what I did." But like, it's just it's so unnecessary. He's kind of doing that thing where you're talking to someone like in the industry. Luke, so like you're, you know, you're, you're meeting a guy for the first time that, that works, you know, you're trying to, you know, finagle into a job and you just start saying, oh, you know, back when I was in Oswego, I won the New York State Broadcasting Award, you know, <laughs> oh, back in Oswego, I called playoff games for Oswego Men's Hockey, nationally ranked. And the guy's sitting there right. like, this isn't okay. a job interview, you <laughs> idiot. I just want to know why yeah. you think the team's good. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's a great point. Actually, he, he does sound like he's constantly in a job interview. Like he's like. This is what, like, I'm sorry, Rex, give it up. You're not coming back to the NFL. I don't think anyone really wants you. And he said, like, you know, Robert Sala is supposed to be me, but without the bad things, you know, sometimes you need the bad things. Well, yeah, but sometimes the bad things are really bad. Because watching Rex Ryan coach the Bills, they're undisciplined. It was personal fouls after the whistle all the time. He let it happen, things like that. So, I don't know. I, I don't like it. Um, Matt, we're about we're about halfway through the, the, the show. I know we, we did a lot of Jets. Do we want to do odd man now, or do we want to run through Giants quickly? That is the Ooh, question. That's a good question. Why don't we run through odd man? I'll keep it brief. There's not a lot of stories to get to, and then we can spend the rest of the time. We've got a laundry list of things to get to, Luke. We can maybe touch we a do. little bit on the Bills. They end up improving to 6-3, and three, just behind Tennessee in the AFC. Um, and then talk about the Patriots. They're what, 6-5-3? and uh, five and three? No, they're 5-6-4. 5-4, yeah, and and or 6-4, and four, yeah, half game behind. Right. I mean, they're right there, and you wonder one slip up with the Bills. You know, this to me is a much better team than the Patriots. But one slip up against the Patriots, even, and you're looking yeah, at they play twice. Teams. And and yeah, they play twice in December. Yeah, that I'm excited for that. We should try to get to one of those games if we uh have the ability. I really wanted to, but the 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 Buffalo one is on Monday night, and the tickets are just ridiculous. Ooh, yeah, I I was looking at at tickets just in general, even if they're cold, like they're just so expensive. I I hate how expensive tickets are to go to games. I get, I mean, I know it's because there's not as many uh NFL games, but it's just ridiculous. How about Carolina Panthers? My uh my Sam Darnold against your Josh Allen. I know you you asked me about that. I'd have to see. It's gonna be cold, man. I hope you know that. It's gonna be I got a, a winter jacket. A frigid day. I've spent All four right, years right. in Oswego. I'm spending a fifth winter here. I know what the cold is That's like. That's true. Um, but let's get to Odd Man Rush. More importantly. Everyone's favorite segment within a segment, Luke. Rookie QB watch is back, baby. We're back. Let's go. We need a no- we need a sounder for that. All right. Um, Rookie QB watch. Um, <laughs> Zach Wilson of the New York Jets did not play in a route that we just talked about extensively to the Bills. Mac Jones in a route of his own, 45-7 win against the Cleveland Browns. He goes 19 of 23. 198 yards, three touchdowns, and two sacks. Justin Fields on the bye week. He's gotten better, though. He's, he's doing a good job. Matt Nagy trying to save his job. And Trevor Lawrence, the final quarterback to play this week amongst the rookie QBs. Trey Lance did not play against the Rams. Uh, Lawrence, though, a 23-17 loss to Indianapolis. 16-35, 162 yards, five carries for 33 yards. Right now, I would say the best quarterback out of this bunch looks like Mac Jones because they're winning. But he's not the most talented. And I think it comes down to Justin Fields looks really good. He looks really fun in a team that I think is, you know, out of the the high picks, you know, I guess you can call it like Wilson and Trevor Lawrence because Trey Lance doesn't play. 
Justin Fields has the best team around him in my mind. And I think that really helps him a little bit looking better. And again, it all falls down to situation and fit, right? Zach Wilson has no talent on the defense. He's got to throw the ball early and often. And you see interceptions. Trevor Lawrence looks fine, I guess. I haven't watched a single minute of Trevor Lawrence, but he's been fine. Nothing special, though, I would say. No, he hasn't been special. I've watched his last, I think, two games. I caught the end of that Indianapolis game where he was strip-sacked, and that was kind of a play where he held on to the ball too long. Uh, Justin Fields, though, he's, he's exciting. I mean, they should have won that game in Pittsburgh on Monday night. Uh, a couple of bad calls against Chicago. Um, they had a chance. He had a great, what would have been a game-winning drive. So he, he played really well. Um, yeah, I think if you put, you know, Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Fields, maybe Wilson on the Patriots, they're probably having a very similar year. But the one thing Mac Jones does is he's protected the ball pretty well. He's not throwing a lot of interceptions. And again, it's the Patriots put him in a good position for that. But he made some really nice throws on Sunday against the Browns. Like, yes, it wasn't the most eye-popping uh, statistical outcome in terms of yards. He only had 198. But he certainly made some some decent throws. And that's the tough part when it comes to Mac Jones is that he's always going to kind of have this around him where it's like, oh, you know, he's in the system, blah, blah, blah. Like He's playing well in the system. Um, I'd like to see him have, you know, one of those great games where you can say, okay, maybe Mac Jones is, is really good. But at this point, it kind of does feel like, you know, the Patriots are just kind of, you know, putting him in a great position to succeed. But give him credit. They're playing winning football, and he's a big part of that. Yeah. It's not the biggest part. You know, like Zach Wilson might be in New York or should be in New York, but he's playing winning football. That's all that matters. All oh, the picks, Luke, that we touched on at the top of the show. Not good. Oof. I did gain, I did gain no. a game on you. I am now – I'm only one game back in the loss column. Is that right? Wow. Is that right? Yeah. Doesn't look right. Are those numbers correct? I don't know. Let me let me double check. I might have done the math wrong. Uh, but I well, go the... up to two and four this week. You were one and five this week. And we should have known the Rams were losing that game. In second thought, yeah. we should have known. Yeah. Well, everything I mean, San Fran lost their last eight games at home. Um, they don't cover very often, but they have played well against the Rams. The Rams need to stop playing on, on national TV. And I think after their bye week, they're like the 425 against Green Bay. So they're going to be on this spotlight again. It's really tough to have the, the, the Rams uh, play these games and having to watch Matthew Stafford and, and all that. What What is the, the laughing about over there? Matt, I think, you're, I, think you're, I think your AirPods are dead. Can you not hear me? Now I can. You just cut out for that whole whatever you were saying about the picks. You didn't hear me say, oh, they lost um, our picks? No. Really? No, no, no. Like, what did you just say when you came back oh, from laughing? I was laughing because I didn't add the losses to my picks. Wow. So, so I was just sitting there 33-22-1 because I added two games instead of six. So I'm three games back in the loss column, and then obviously we've got the push that uh, carries it over. So what is that, three and a half games? So Three and a half game lead for me still. So it's slim, you did gain but it's a game. something. Um, I dominated you I'd like to in say, our head-to-head, I might add. I was going to say, I, I deserved 0-6 just for that Atlanta pick. That was horrible. I can't even believe that I picked that, and I was such an idiot for that game. So I, I deserved that. Cleveland didn't show up. Tampa Bay lost outright, so it was a rough I would like to me. add that if I knew Arizona wouldn't have Kyler Murray again, I wouldn't have picked them. Um, yeah, that was tough. That's, I think, tough. that's not on me. That that's part no. of the issue. My Detroit have. pick was beautiful, though. I'd like what was to that? Say. My my Lions pick was. I mean, gorgeous, it certainly helped so that you lost Big Ben. But I would have picked them. I think they still would have covered, even if Big Ben played. That was played. an ugly game. That was a real bad game. It was disgusting. Uh, did you see Najee Harris said he didn't know that ties were a thing in the NFL? 
That's wild. Like, I thought that you was have funny. these kids sometimes. I thought it was too, but you have some kids, some kids that come up to like the the pro level, and they're just like, "Yeah, I never watched like pro football before," and they just like don't know the rules. It's it's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, it it was interesting, but you know, it's a, that was a peak tie. Like no one deserved to win that game. I think both deserved losses. Mm-hmm. That that's the real truth in it. It was this, it was gross. The weather was gross. Jared Goff had like thirty four yards passing at halftime. That's crazy. Like, it was he had like forty yards in the entire game. Yeah, it was a it was a very Josh Rosen like stat line. Hey, watch your mouth. Your boy. I love Josh Rosen. He deserves another chance. Bring him. He did play. We'll take him in. Did you see him play? Where? For the Falcons, one uh, his first pass was intercepted. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, came in for Matt Ryan. Let's get back to the Rams though. They lose thirty-one to ten on on uh, Mon- Sunday night, Monday night football. No. They play last night. Yeah, that was Monday okay, Night Football. Okay, they lost 31-10 on Monday Night Football to the, <laughs> to the 49ers. Uh, Matt Stafford, who was supposedly back, supposed to be great this year, 26-41, 243 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, one of which wasn't his fault. Do you, do you worry about the Rams now? I mean, this is back-to-back weeks that they've lost, you know, big games. You know what does worry me is, I, I was reading about it this week, Robert Woods was a real big part of, like, of that offense, just the routes he runs, the distraction he, uh, he kind of creates, and also in that locker room. Like, he's a really big part of that team, and losing him and, and gaining Odell, to me, is not it's not the greatest trade-off. And I'm not, I'm not saying Odell is going to be toxic, but we saw the interception from Stafford. The first one was towards Odell, kind of had people making jokes online and things like that. Um, I'm a little worried, though, especially because, Matt, I don't like this narrative, but Let's be honest. We haven't seen Matt Stafford on a team that's this good before. You know, yes, he has all the numbers. Yes, I think he's a very solid quarterback. But a lot of those numbers came in the fourth quarter when the Lions were down by 30. And now he's in these games that he's supposed to win, you know, big divisional games, uh, you know, fighting for playoff spots. And in the last two weeks, to be frank, he's, he's kind of thrown up duds. And it doesn't help that the run game's been real rough uh, lately. Henderson went down with an injury. Uh, they lose Robert Woods. So the pieces are kind of shifting. And, and I still think the Rams are a good team. But Certainly the last two weeks were pretty rough. They are, but I think Odell gets better. I mean, he's had a day to practice, basically, with the team getting there on Friday. He, he puts up, you know, two receptions, 18 yards. He'll get better, right? I, I mean, I'm more concerned that they didn't run the ball at all, you know, 10 times for 52 yards. At halftime, it was 21-7. You still have time to run the ball. That's what kind of disappointed me. And then Mina Kimes, Luke, you sent this to me in our Twitter group chat, was disappointed that they didn't scheme better for – um for what's – oh, what's his name? You- Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel, and he was yeah. They didn't put Jalen Ramsey right. on him. That that's kind of what I'm alluding to. And to to not scheme better is disappointing because, I mean, they just ran all over you. Elijah Mitchell had 91 yards. Uh, Jimmy G had 15 completions for 182 yards. Like it was just felt like it was home run play after home run play for the San Francisco offense. That you know Jimmy G is is not that you know he's efficient, but that's a lot of yards for just 15 completions. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was crazy to think, like, on the other side, you know, Stafford had 26 completions for 243, which is really not that big of a difference, you know, considering he completed uh, 11 more passes. And I think Debo Samuel is fantastic. He's so fun to watch. They use him in, in so many creative ways. He is insane. I hate him, though, because I lost the fantasy match by less than one point. The guy had Debo Samuel and George Kittle, so that was a that was a rough one for, for my first place team in that league. Uh, I dropped all the way down to third with that loss, Ooh. but... um. Yeah, that was tough. But uh, overall, I mean, now that the Niners are right back in the playoff spot, this NFC is just so crazy, especially when it comes to those, you know, those two wild card spots. 
especially that seventh one really helps because you know last year oh, there were some crazy. teams that were good. I love the seventh wild card by the or the seventh playoff it's spot so great. by the way. It just to keep that many teams in the hunt, I think it's so fun. It, it's chaos. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you know I'm rooting for a team right now that that is in a in uh, a playoff spot by winning their division. Because if you're not winning your division right now, it is a, a real cluster when it comes to that those wild card spots. Certainly. And briefly, we'll go over to the Carolina game. They pummel the Arizona Cardinals. Almost called them the Coyotes for a minute. 34-10 win. Wow. Hockey brain. Cam, three for four, eight yards and a touchdown passing. Three carries, 14 yards and a touchdown uh, rushing. That's pretty cool. Cam Newton comes back, plays yeah. a couple games. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted me to talk. No, I just forgot what I was saying. Uh, PJ Walker, twenty-two of twenty-nine, hundred and sixty-seven yards, added seven up. yards rushing. That that's pretty cool if they continue this dual quarterback system because they're both similar quarterbacks. But you know, maybe don't want Cam, you know, throwing it all over the place with his injury history and kind of getting acclimated back into a new system. Having CMC back, I think, is is really the biggest difference for this team. And, and I know we joke about Sam Darnold, but when CMC was healthy and fully going. He looked a lot better because he had that safety valve, and that's what CMC is because it's interesting that the Panthers are saying Newton's our starter. I mean, Walker had a pretty good game. He wasn't great, but he had a pretty solid game. Um, but I know they signed Cam with the intention of starting him, so it makes sense. But you're right. I mean, if they can use these guys situationally, I think it's kind of a, a cool system. You know, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, both kind of college coaches they're used to having, you know, maneuvering maybe a couple quarterbacks into a game. So I, I like that method. And, again, Carolina. Sneaks right into the back into the wild card, and who knows with the Cardinals? But you you assume when Kyler Murray and Hopkins are there, they're they're still probably the best team in that division. But I will say, Green Bay might be the best team in the NFC right now. The way their defense played, the way that I think they might have gotten better with AJ Dillon running the ball, just the way that he runs and, and moves the pile and things like that. Even with Aaron Rodgers not playing great, they looked pretty solid. They did. They beat Seattle. They shut out Seattle for the first time in Russell Wilson's career. I don't really look too much into it because Wilson's probably still a little banged up with that with that injury he's had. He never seems to beat the Packers. He's 0-5 now against the Packers. And I I guess it's the Packers that seem to beat. I like their defense. I like what they've got. But I wonder, if you can shut down Devontae Adams, does Rodgers have enough weapons to, to do anything with that? Yeah, it, that's the question. Randall, Cobb, Randall Cobb's having a decent year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Valdez Scantling's been banged up. Lazard was part of the whole COVID issue with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think the ability to run the ball is going to be the difference for this Packers team because, I mean, who wants to tackle A.J. Dillon in a snowstorm? I certainly do not want to even imagine tackling him when it's zero degrees at Lambeau in the NFC Championship game. I think that could literally be the difference in who goes to the Super Bowl between you know them, Arizona, Dallas, is if Green Bay can host those games, that could be honestly what puts them over the top because can you imagine Arizona going to Green Bay and winning that game? There's no way. No, not at all. And Luke, you're looking to be a new owner of the Green Bay Packers. I actually missed out. I'm kind of upset. you missed out. I might. Well, I might still be able to buy, but I got an alert from from the, the Packers were doing a share selling shares to like build a new sta- uh, scoreboard and seating and stuff like that. And it's three hundred dollars a pop. And I I signed up for the email, and then they're like, you have ten minutes once you get it. But I was working, and I missed the email that said I was up in line. So I, I don't know if I can if I can go back in or not. Also, I don't know if I actually want to buy them. I would like to get a share, like if I split it with a bunch of people. But I don't actually want to just pay three hundred dollars just to say I own the Packers. It's a great idea, and it'd be great for social media for like five minutes, and then I'd be like, all right, why did I just do? And that? you can't even sell the shares. 
Yeah, exactly. So you're just paying $300 to say that you own the Packers. But it'd be great Twitter content because yeah. every decision the Packers have to make, I would have a tweet about yeah. it. <laughs> if we can find one or two more people, I'll join you in the in the uh, in the uh, yeah. the well, like we, if we got like our group chat of like six, you know, only like 50, fifty bucks, bucks a but pop. But do we all get our name? Yeah. Or does one person get the name? I you can only have one person. That's tough. Maybe I could name it in our names. Like, could I can name, you name like, it Planet Fitness? Yes, we go elites. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, name? Planet Fitness. Yep. Yes. Um, last thing good I want to get to, Luke. I know we're kind of running out of time here, but this is a, this is a fun new game. I thought would be pretty cool to try out. It's called Would Luke Eat That? And this is the UBS Arena Edition. Wow. The menu for the Islanders' new arena, which opens on Saturday, uh, was released. And there's a couple – there's a Zoftic menu, if you will. Some glorious food. Okay. And I picked out a couple things, some that I think you'll like, some I know you won't, and some that I think <laughs> is on the cuff or on the off – you know, the, okay. the teetering. The first one, this is the, uh, the, the new Shack sandwich. I don't really know what it's called, but it's – Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal has like a chicken company. Oh, it's actually after. Shack. Yeah, yeah, okay. he was at the he was at UBS. It's oh cool a okay. fried chicken cutlet situation with buffalo sauce, cream cheese, blue cheese on an orange and blue Islander bagel from Blue Line Deli. Would you eat that? That sounds phenomenal. Phenomenal. I would definitely eat that. I would like to swap the blue cheese with ranch, but I, I will eat the blue cheese if I have to. That sounds amazing. Fantastic. I was excited about that. Uh, what about sauce and peppers? You can get that in section 103 and 207. Yeah, I like I like a good sausage. I love some nice grilled peppers. With it. Yeah, I love a good sausage. Uh, <laughs> uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, what about halal and falafel in section 107? I don't know what that is. Is that Jewish? No, it's um, it's like gyros and falafel, and I think it's like Middle Eastern, uh, more or less. Not a big fan of the gyro. I've had them before. Um, they're okay. I, I don't hate them, but if I was at a game, it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, falafel's a weird thing to eat at a game. Yeah, it, isn't it messy? Yeah, yeah, it could get a little leakage. So yeah, is a burger. I'm not stack a, it right. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. What about uh, shrimp cocktail in section 118? A nice pass. cold you know shrimp with some if it's cocktail from the sea, sauce. It ain't for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one's kind of bougie. Tomato and mozzarella in section 108, 203, and 214. Oh, let me tell you, Matt. Never would I have thought, because growing up, I hated tomatoes. And everyone was like, when you're an adult, you'll like it. You know, it's one of those things. And I, when, I was on, when I was on my honeymoon in Punta Cana, Flex. I was at a restaurant. They had a tomato and mozzarella appetizer. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. It was delicious, let me tell you. If you get a nice, fresh tomato. Put a salt on it. Ooh. Uh, oh my god. You get a boss production on that, or is it just tomato and moots? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. I'm a big fan. I never thought I would say it, but it was so like fresh tasting. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, there's nothing better. So maybe I can get you to try my, my bruschetta next time. What is that? It's that tomato thing I made last year when we came over for dinner. Oh, yeah. No, I tried that. It was good. Remember, I tried oh, I thought it. you didn't try it. Maybe I didn't. Okay, and but I, I'm a I I can do tomatoes now. Yes. I'm fully an adult now. There we go. Do I still pack my lunch like a child? Maybe, <laughs> but I've graduated from do- Gogurt. I do a nice um, I forget the brand. It's like the Fit yogurts. They're like seventy calories. I forget. What you don't do called. like a, I do like those. A Greek yogurt. I I hate Greek. Yogurt. Really, I can't stand. It. Yeah, Why? I can't stand it. I don't know. the The wife loves Greek yogurt. Always tries to get me to eat it. Can't. That's do my it. morning staple. Greek yogurt. You can yeah. you can either sweeten it with honey or jam, and it's quite nice. Put a little yeah. cereal on top. Oof. Uh, most importantly, 
the, the last thing we'll get to at UBS Arena, Offside Tavern Bar, Section 230. It's back. Well, I've never, the former so New York City Manhattan Bar, Islander-themed bar, they're back. Beautiful. They were shut down due to COVID-19, and the Islanders and UBS Arena brings them back to UBS Arena. This is going to be awesome. I've got to get to a game at some point. Tickets are expensive. They're like, like good seats are like 50 bucks minimum. Not even good seats. Like, I think the cheapest is like 48 bucks, and it's like the last row. So, you, if you think 48 is expensive, man, for I don't last know how row, go to a building. Most game. of the games, most of them are like, uh, fine, I'll read you the exact thing that our good friend Michael Bellardi said. A third me. level at the Bills game is like $150. Okay, but there's right five now. games a year at Bills Stadium. I know, that is expensive. I'm just let me, saying. Let me, see what, that... let me see what Bellardi sent me. Friend of the show, Mike Bellardi. It was. I've actually never been to an NHL really? game. Really? That's surprising. Our good friend Dylan wasn't I will that be one until this past week. Um, cheapest tickets were like 38 bucks, but also you're sitting like last row. Like that's not worth it. I yeah. mean, it's worth it because it's a new arena, but that, you know. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll go down as the yeah, season goes on. Um, Maybe. Look, that's all we got for Odd Man Rush. We really ran over on, on the Jets. I do apologize for that. And then we got to make it up here no, on the back end. It. But a lot left to talk about, and I'll just, I'll throw it to you. It was worth going over on Jets because I got to, to yell at you a little bit, so it was worth it. we got about 12 minutes to go. Let's talk some Giants quickly. They've got a big game coming up against the Bucks. Big win against Vegas, 23-16. to 16. Their defense has really turned it around. I think that's been the biggest key. And I talked about it. I mean, we talked about it last week, but I was kind of saying how the offense is what we thought. You know, it's middle of the road. They're not going to score a ton of points, but if Daniel Jones can hold on to the ball, it's good enough. But their defense is the real key, and their defense showed up against Vegas, uh, against Vegas their third straight game, allowing le- uh, 20 points or less. Um, and they really went back to fundamentals, as Joe Judge was saying. I mean, they're playing almost the simplest brand of football, but that kind of is what works for the Giants, is to win these kind of gutted-out kind of games. You know, 23-16 to 16 is, is such a Giants final score. But for them to win a game like that, I think it is pretty huge. Right, and now coming off that, that bye to face Tampa this coming week on Monday night, is is important because you get that rest but my concern for this team luke is yeah you're getting healthy but the bucks really drop a third straight game heading into monday night right like is is that the game you, well, we're not heading into they've lost two heading into it so do you really see tom brady losing a third game in a row now playing a giants team that tampa's like on the cusp like they lose this game they're not a shoe in to make the playoffs i think they make it because that division's not great you know, you've got a bunch of four and four teams. You know, the Saints are injured with their quarterback situation. You never really know what's going to happen. But it just kind of comes down to, like, Bruce Arians called the loss to Washington embarrassing. I don't see how this team loses another game this early. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the Bucs are going to come out firing all cylinders. And I think that's tough because it's weird to say, Matt, but it's like if the Bucks went out and smoked Washington, you'd like the Giants' chances better almost, that they'd come into this game you know, coming off of like, oh, here's another NFC East team, another easy win, and maybe that'd be the letdown spot. But now it's like the Bills last they need week to win. where it just feels like this. Yeah, it feels like this impending doom where it's like if you're the team on the other side of it, it it's going to stink. And I want to talk about this, Matt. I thought this was something interesting I was thinking about over the weekend because, you know, last week we played the win-loss, win-win-loss. You know, how can the Giants make the playoffs? Looking at the NFC, it's like, yes, they can make it, but are they the second-best team in their own division? That's my question because – the Eagles look a little bit better now. They're uh, they're at four and six. Washington still three and six. They're tied with the Giants, but they beat them once already. Because those are the key games down the stretch, right? They've got two against the Eagles. They got one against Washington. And now looking at the way the Eagles and Washington have played, it's like 
can the Giants really sweep those three games? It's tough to say. I think they need to if they want a shot at the playoffs. I, I don't think Philly's that good. I'll stand by it. Um, what, they beat Denver this past week? A, a tough loss for me. But I just, I, I don't know. Like, I think this Giants team, when they get healthy, is much better. I think they work through whatever issues they had early in the season. And now those issues will come back to, to haunt them. Because, you know, you should have beat Washington. You should have beat Atlanta. You should have beat a couple of those teams. But I think they're better than Washington. They just lost um, Chase, Chase Young, for the rest of the season with an ACL. I I don't think the Eagles are very good. I think you can figure them out. But the Eagles always seem to give the Giants trouble, so that's a big concern as well. Yeah, and the good thing for the Giants, though, coming into this week is they're finally kind of getting healthy. Saquon should be back and ready to go. You know, Tony seems like he's fully healthy. Same with Kenny Galladay. So if this is kind of the, you know, the week the Giants are fully healthy, yes, it's a tough game, but we'll see. They always seem to play Tom Brady close. Who knows why that's the reason with this franchise, but they do. And the question is, you know, can they make the playoffs? Tam- uh, Carolina right now holds that final wild card spot, five and five. They've got to jump the four and five team, which is Carolina, Minnesota, San Francisco, Atlanta, and then Philadelphia and Washington as well. So, a lot of teams to jump, and the only way to jump teams is to win games. I don't think it starts this week, but in that same vein, even if they lose this week, it, they could still win games down the stretch and have a chance. If they don't make the playoffs, do you keep Gettleman or Judge? Like, What's your demarcation to keep them? <sighs> I don't know. I think – well, I thought Gettleman should have been gone before the year. That's why it's so tough. So to me, I think Gettleman's gone. I think I keep Joe Judge, but the, the, the issue is if you bring in a new GM and he says goodbye, Joe Judge, it's hard to argue against that because it's like, okay, let him do his thing, this new GM. And that's why it's so tough. And we talk about timelines with the Giants before the year. They just don't line up. You know, Daniel Jones is attached to Dave Gettleman. Joe Judge is kind of in this weird island by himself where it's like he could get another quarterback or he could be, you know, kind of merged with Daniel Jones. It's like the three of them don't really have a nice timeline where they match up. So it's like, if one of them goes, it might lead to the downfall of the other two just by default, and I don't think that's necessarily fair, but it happens. Yeah, I mean, I like what Daniel Jones did. I think he could be a quarterback in this league, but also, if a new GM comes in and doesn't want him, are you going to say no? Yeah, I mean, they have, what, two first-round picks mm-hmm. this year with that Bears pick? It, what's interesting is the they reports could package with, them. you know, Russell Wilson wanting to wanting out earlier in the year in Seattle. Yeah. But are you right? Are you good enough to go out there and make the trade for Russell Wilson and make it make a difference? Really? You know, your offensive line doesn't need to be as good. You've seen what Russell Wilson's dealt with. Your defense is getting better. You have great weapons for him. I think this is the playoff team with Russell Wilson. I think he takes them to a dominant level where they can put up 35, 40 points. Yeah, and I like Daniel Jones too, but I think his ceiling is kind of a average to above average, which isn't bad in the NFL. You can get by with that. But I don't see him being a Patrick Mahomes. You know, I don't see him in that kind of category. And I could see the Giants wanting to move on from that. But I think he deserves a chance in this league. I think he's a solid quarterback. But he, ha- like you said, I mean, Russell Wilson's a real game changer. So that's that's definitely an interesting conversation that will certainly come up as the year goes on. We've got to talk some Yankees, though. We've got, we've got about five minutes to go. This is going to be rapid-fire Yankees and Mets conversation. We'll start with the Yankees. And the the impending free agency, which we'll get to a lot as the as the the free agency period goes on, but I wanted to bring this up because Carlos Correa has been a guy. His name's been floated around a lot around the Yankees. Uh, he went on a podcast. Uh, I, I was going to look at the exact name so I get it right. The Me Gustan Los Deportes podcast. You know what that means? On uh, November. No, really. I love. I, I like know. sports. Deport. 
Wait, really? Yeah, I like the sports. Me gusta, I like. Oh, Deportes, Deportes is sports. sports? Yeah, that's why it's called ESPN Deportes. You know what, Matt? That's a great point. You should know these things, Luke. Really, I should, especially because, yeah, I should know that. Um, But the, the uh, <laughs> on the podcast, Carlos Correa said uh, Derek Jeter did not deserve any of his Gold Glove awards. You know, this kind of added up with Cashman talking about his involvement with sign stealing, says that won't affect his free agency. It feels like Correa doesn't want to go to the Yankees. I, I know we saw the post with New York. He was at the UFC fight. People kind of started to, to send the eyeball emojis and like, oh, is Correa going to go to the Yankees? I don't know if he doesn't want to be there. I don't know what the situation is, but he's certainly not helping his case, I don't think. I don't think he wants to go there if he's going to say that. Like, There's no need to say this. I'd love to, yeah, read the, I'd love to have seen the full transcript. Because obviously this is the thing that got clipped, but like, who asks yeah. someone? Oh, is Derek Jeter good? You say, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. a legend. He was ninety nine percent Hall of Famer. You know, vote not. Oh no, he stinks. He doesn't deserve a golden glo- gold gloves. Like, what are you? What are we doing here? What are we doing? From a, from a one, money standpoint, one hold off until you get your bag. You have the Yankees as a team that could be interested on you. Flex that. You know, leverage a little more money out of somebody else. Then go on and say these things. Yeah, if the Yankees do want to make that splash of short, there's there's Seager, there's Semyon, there's a lot of guys out there on the market. Or they could go and Angelton Simmons, spend the money elsewhere. We'll see what the Yankees do this offseason. Um, that, that'll be kind of the big question. Let's shift over, though, and talk some Mets. Because earlier today, Noah Syndergaard signed a one-year, $21 million deal to go to the Angels. Uh, the Mets offered him about $18 million um, on the qualifying offer, but pending a physical, Thor will be on the Angels going to be weird to see him in a jersey that's not the Mets. The Mets do receive a second-round pick as compensation. We've kind of been going back and forth on this. It's been going on Twitter as well. Um, what did you think about Thor going over to the Angels? I think it's interesting that the Mets didn't get the chance or decided not to sign him. Because, because Syndergaard had said at the end of the season he wanted to be a Met, basically. Yeah. So you leave the team that drafted you in your home for an extra $3 million. Sure. Fair. Do what you want. Did the Mets not offer him a contract? Did the Mets not want to pay him that much more? Did he not want to be with the Mets? You know? And then my second prong that I just kind of thought of is, how much damage did came from the fact that the Mets don't have a GM right now? Right? They didn't have a GM when this happened. There's speculation that Billy Epler will be the new GM. But... Could they just did they have to sit on their hands until they got a GM and now all of a sudden Syndergaard makes a move because he had what two more days to accept the qualifying offer? If this deal didn't get done, he would have had to accept it because he doesn't know the money he's getting. Yeah, it's such a weird situation to think about because Thor, you know, there's so many questions going around in my head, Matt, and I, and I wish that Syndergaard would be like fully transparent to hear. You know, did the Mets not want to go another three million dollars? Was it because his injury history? Is he thinking maybe you know? Maybe that's because of the Mets. Maybe that's why I've struggled so much with injuries because we kind of saw the DeGrom report come out after the year. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, just because of the Mets organization because I think Syndergaard, for the most part, liked the Mets. And from reading the – or seeing the quotes from from the end of the year, he said, you know, I want to be on the Mets. I'll be devastating if I'm not on the Mets, things like that. So it's kind of an interesting situation that for $3 million, he's willing to move all the way across the country because either way, you're betting on yourself. And the Mets are a franchise that's been pretty loyal to you Throughout the years, you know, yes, you didn't quite get to that big contract, but I'm sure if he had a great year this year, he could probably make some decent money. So either way, you're betting on yourself. So I guess he's taking the extra three mil and and betting on himself in California. But it's not like the Angels have a great history of developing pitching. So I don't know. It's certainly an interesting move. I can't blame him. 
because this year he might be terrible and now he doesn't have a career, let's say, and now he just pocketed $21 million, right? You can't blame him for that. But also, you know, I kind of wonder if he signed with the Mets, if they would have given him a little more wiggle room. You know, oh, you weren't your best, but we still believe in you. You know, you're coming off of Tommy John. You know, next contract will give you, you know, $5 million, which is not a lot, or, or the next qualifying offer if, if he's eligible for one. You know, I don't know the exact contract terms or whatever, but maybe they give him an extra little bit of leeway, whereas the Angels, if he stinks, hands cleaned, done, he might not, never get, he might not get another contract again if he's, you know, not what he should be. Yeah, it might turn into Matt Harvey, where he just bounces around and teams take how, chances how on him. But quickly before that, and we'll go over here. I'll, I'll take the L on this one. Okay. The the Mets right. that whole <laughs> Fab Five pitchers they have between him, Wheeler, Mats, Degrom, and Harvey, they're all gone, except for Degrom. Like it's kind of sad. It is sad, and Degrom is. I mean, he's still going to be great, but he's obviously battled his own injuries, and he's kind of had a little bit of. of battles with the Mets as well so it certainly is sad that that 2015 team has has completely pretty much gone away um maybe good news for the Mets they might have a new GM as reports have surfaced that Billy Epler is set to become the next GM still working on some contract details um he was recently hired by William Morris Endeavor which is a an entertainment talent agency but it looks like he's gonna be able to get out of that come be the GM of the Mets he was previously the GM of the Angels, before he was fired there, the assistant GM with the Yankees until 2010. Um, so or I think it was 2010 and 2015, excuse me. So he, he's been around the league. He was trying to get out of baseball, um, but possibly the Mets have their guy. Well, he was looking to broaden or, or open up the William Morris uh, agency to baseball. He was trying to bring like a baseball yes. angle to them. He was never an agent. He wasn't, you know, this isn't Brody Van Wagen in 2.0. I, I think I'm higher on it than a lot of of you guys are, Luke. I, don't, I haven't heard your thoughts on it. I know, like, what do you mean you guys? Pat and Aaron specifically. Like, well, I like when it. I look at, I like it. He's friends with David Stearns, the president of the Brewers, who has a contract. You know, his contract's over in a year. They could bring him in. You know, use Epler as a as a as a chip to do that. And you know, if his biggest issue is building a pitching staff, well, you've got a lot of money. You've got a couple of nice pieces. You got to restrain Stroman. You've got Negrom. You've got Tyon Walker. I think it's fine. At least they got a guy that has experience. I think I don't. I don't. I'm not low on this hire or particularly high. I think it's it's a fine hire and it can work out. I mean, you look at Epler and his his track history with the the Angels. He's a guy that obviously the Angels didn't have a lot of success, but he re-signed Mike Trout to a huge deal, which was huge. I mean, Mike Trout could have gone anywhere. He brought Otani. He in. got Shohei Otani. He when he went to the Angels had to deal with that Pujols contract, so he had no money to spend. So he signed a lot of guys to some decent deals. So it's not like he was the worst GM ever with the Angels. Yes, he he wasn't able to develop a pitching staff, and they never made the playoffs. But to have the money, and by the way, the draft pick, I think the Mets now have six draft picks in the first 100 or something like that going into next year with, I mean, obviously kind of a bad thing. They weren't able to sign uh, Rocker, but they get that first-round pick. They get another comp pick from the from the Angels. So they certainly have a lot to play with. It's a great situation for a GM to go to. It really is. I, I've, I've said that. You know, we don't know what's going on with Steve Cohen, but take that out of it. You have a ton of money. You have draft picks. You have the ability to basically do whatever you want with this team to make them into a contender. I'm really happy they got it done before they had to make a, a deal with Baez because that's a very, very controversial guy to sign. And I don't yeah. want Sandy Alston making that signature, that signing. I want a guy who's going to be here for a while, hopefully, you know, a guy that was brought in to do the job to make his first mark. And his biggest decision will be Marcus Stroman and Javi Baez. And I think you keep Stroman. I think I'm good without Baez. 
I don't need him. I think you can find someone else to play the position. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I also think if you do sign Javier Baez before you get a GM and he comes in, he's like, great, now I got $30 million gone with a guy that I don't even want. Mm-hmm. And that'd be an issue too. So let him make that decision. Let them decide about Stroman. Stroman, I don't know what he's going to do. He, he's been tweeting about uh, – someone made an edit of him in a Yankees jersey. He's been, t- he's been talking about that today. So he's all over the place. Who knows? Um, but the Mets maybe have their guy. Also, quick last note, Luis Rojas, third base coach of the New York, New York Yankees. So shout out Luis Rojas. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. That'll end our episode of the Wilding and Owen show. Went a little long, but I think it was worth oh, it. Yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of good content to get to. We'll be back. Uh, most likely Thursday to get you guys those picks in that little mini podcast. Hope you guys enjoy that. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts to the Watling and Owen show.